The following podcast is a production of the LAG Radio Network. Hey guys, welcome back to Creepy Pete's Pasta Party. I know it's been a while and we are already, as of today, 10 days into Spooktober. So I figured I owed you guys a story. Actually, it's going to be one of the newer stories on the Creepypasta website. If you were to go there... As of today, it's actually one of their featured creepypastas, and I did a, a glimpse through it today while I was at work, and I really wanted to share it. I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, it's got some historical background to it. It's all about the, the scariest thing we all know, Nazis. Um, it's actually really not a traditional creepypasta. There's not really a whole lot of um, horror in it. It's more of this big twist reveal, which is common in a lot of creepypastas. However, I, I did not see this coming and I, I could not imagine being in this position. I thought it was a very well-written story. Uh, for those of you who want to go check it out, it is Old Man's Last Secret and it is written by Tobias Wade. Uh, it currently has a 9.4 out of 10 stars on Creepypasta, and it's not a terribly long Creepypasta. I'm going to stop ranting about it here in a minute and just get into it because it's a really good story. It's all about the Holocaust, concentration camps, Nazis, um, t typical Nazi shit. Um, I did do a little bit of historical checking to see how prevalent this kind of situation happened, but uh, we'll, we'll get into that later. I don't want to spoil it just yet. My grandfather is 95 years old and doesn't have long left in this world. There's nothing but a mess of tubes and wires to tether him here with us. It's difficult for him to speak, but each rasping whisper carries a severe weight that cannot be interrupted. My family doesn't talk about things like death though, so whenever I visit with my dad, we tend to spend most of the time sitting in near silence. What a news week, huh? My dad might say. Mmm. Grandfather will grunt. Crazy world. Then silence. Again. Small talk seems almost disrespectful to the gravity of the situation. But no one wants to be the first to broach the irrevocable goodbye when the silence gets too loud. My dad will start to fidget with his phone, or pull out a book, until one of us makes an excuse to leave. That's how it went yesterday, with my father mumbling something about a dentist appointment and hurrying out the door almost as soon as we arrive. You'll stay though, won't you? My grandfather asked when we were alone in the room together. You'll listen to an old man's last secret? This was it then. The end of the road was in sight. Would you like me to call Dad back? I asked. Grandfather shook his head as far as the oxygen tubes would allow it to turn. I'd rather he didn't know, he said. I already knew some of the story he told me. It began when my grandfather was 20 years old living in Nazi Germany. He'd been working forced labor on a farm, but managed to smuggle my grandmother and infant father out of the country, hidden in a grain shipment. He'd been caught almost immediately and sent to the concentration camp in Buchenwald, 
where he endured the next two years until he was liberated by Allied forces. You don't have to tell me what happened there if you don't want to, I told him. I wasn't sure I wanted to hear the gruesome details. He was unusually animated and persistent though, promising it was something that needed to be said. He wouldn't have survived the ordeal if it hadn't been for a friend he had met there. One of the Nazi officers, a rotten Führer squad leader, had taken a special interest in him because of their striking similarity in age and appearance. The two would sit on either side of a barbed wire fence and swap stories about their childhoods. My grandfather would talk about my grandmother, how beautiful she was, and how he wouldn't give up until he found her again. The SS officer had gone straight from the Hilterjugend, Hitler Youth Group, to the army and never had been intimate with a woman. He became enraptured in my grandfather's tales of romance, and the two became close friends despite the circumstances. The officer twice spared my grandfather's name from work assignments that meant certain death, and he'd often slip extra rations through the fence, which my grandfather would then distribute to other prisoners. It wasn't a good life, but it was life, grandfather said. Things changed as the war began drawing to a close. The Nazi officers became increasingly paranoid and desperate as the Allied forces moved in. It became common practice for lower-ranking officers to be held as scapegoats when impossible work orders were not met. Besides that, the rumor that the Rotten Fuhrer was protecting my grandfather put him in a dire position with his own officers. Forced between protecting my grandfather and his own hide, the Rotten Fuhrer signed the order for my grandfather to be sent to a nearby armaments factory. 18-hour workdays, starvation rations, no medical attention. The factory might as well have been a death sentence. The three-month survival rate was less than 50%. In the name of love, my grandfather pleaded to let him survive to find her again. She was waiting for him in America. The rotten Führer was moved, but his decision was final. His only compromise was to record the address of where she went and send her a letter to let her know what had happened to him. So how did you survive? I asked. Did he change his mind? Were you rescued from the factory? Shielded from the worst of the camp by the Rotten Fuhrer, the transition to the factory proved too difficult for the young farmer. He didn't last the first week. What do you mean, didn't last? How did you get out? The exertion of the long story was taking its toll on my grandfather. He coughed and wheezed, struggling to draw breath for several seconds before clearing his throat one final time. On April 11, 1945, the Buchenwald camp was liberated. Many of the Nazis had already abandoned their position and fled into the country. Others decided to lock themselves inside, pretending to be prisoners themselves so the Allied forces would have mercy on them. This was especially convincing for those who had taken the time to get to know the prisoners and could assume their identities. When the SS officer gave the information and address of his lost love, 
he was allowed to board the next transport ship returning to America to be reunited with her. The gears in my head were turning, turning, and then stopped. Your grandmother was suspicious at first when I met her, but she accepted that the war had changed me. Besides, I knew so many stories about her that she couldn't deny our shared history. I raised his boy as my own and lived the life he dreamed of every night until his death. Do you think your real grandfather would forgive me if he knew? I didn't have an answer for him and I didn't get another chance. He died in his sleep that night after a long and happy life that wasn't his. So yeah, that was the old man's last secret and it is currently one of the, well, it's currently the headline creepypasta on creepypasta. And I, I thought it was a really good story. Um, it's really convincing and it's really easy to see how something like that could happen. Um, especially during the Holocaust when we frequently saw um, Nazis and SS officers uh, flee away, especially during the Nuremberg trials and fled to other countries and did everything they could to leave. Unfortunately, and I'm not an expert on this, I've probably only spent maybe a good hour or two um, just doing some quick research on it. I came across one story in it rooted in real life that is kind of similar. It's still like far off though. Basically, so there was an SS officer under the last name Wrinkle um, who for 60 years was married to her husband who was Jewish. She was a very low-ranking SS officer in her past, um, but she never told her family, friends, which was common amongst um, a lot of low-ranking SS officers. They didn't really want their families, friends, etc. They didn't want anybody to know. Um, she hid it for 60 years um, during their marriage and ended up getting deported back to Germany. Uh, according to U.S. Justice Ministry, Mrs. Rinkle worked for Ravensbrück concentration camp north of Berlin from June 1944 to April 1945. She used an SS-trained dog, documents released by the ministry's office of special investigations set up to track down fugitive Nazis include her service card taken from an SS center and bank records. The camp completed in 1939 by the SS leader Heinrich Himmler was built almost exclusively for female prisoners within a few years and it evolved into a brutal slave labor camp where undesirable women, quote unquote, first German opponents of the Nazi regime and prostitutes and criminals Later, Jews and gypsies were held, experimented on, and killed. More than 130,000 women passed through Ravensbrück near the town of Fürstenberg. Most came from Poland or the occupied Soviet Union. Only 40,000 survived. The Red Army liberated the camp in April 1945, but arrived after Nazi troops took thousands of inmates on a forced march where many died. According to her sister-in-law, who was married to Mrs. Wrinkle's brother, Fred Wrinkle had no idea of his wife's dark past. His funeral service was held at a Jewish memorial chapel, and he was an active member of the Jewish service organization, B'nai B'rith. I'm sorry if I 
butchered that. He had to leave Germany during all that terrible stuff that happened there and had to relocate to Shanghai, she said. A lot of the Jewish Germans went to Shanghai. Her sister-in-law also said that Mrs. Rinkle had met her husband decades ago at a German-American club in San Francisco. She lived in the U.S. until her deportation. We did help her to close up her apartment and helped her to buy her an airplane ticket and go to the airport and buy her luggage, but never a word about why she was leaving, she told the newspaper. We thought she was going because her situation in the apartment had deteriorated. Mrs. Rinkle had arthritis, and her flat's lift was often out of service. She said she just wanted to go back to Germany. We believed her. German historians said Mrs. Rinkle had been one of about 3,500 young, unattached, and mainly uneducated women from Germany and Austria who were overseers at the camp, some of whom were later executed. Horst Seferens of the Brandenburg Foundation that now administers Ravenbrook said the summer of 1944, hundreds of women had been forced into employment. Many SS men had been sent to the front. The number of camps was rapidly expanded. More women were needed to watch over the growing numbers of prisoners. Um, so that's just like a quick little excerpt. Uh, I got that from theguardian.com for anybody who wants to read the full one. It's titled, Shameful Secret of the Nazi Camp Guard Who Married a Jew. It was posted in 2006, so it, I mean, it's pretty dated at this point. And that was about the closest thing I could find. Um, and it's really not an uncommon thing that after World War II, a lot of them just tried to live normal lives and fled the country and did their own thing. Um, and then you have things like the Nuremberg Trials, where a lot of them were deported back. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it's just crazy to think about the fact that something like this really could happen. I think that's what makes it the scariest thing, is that this boy grew up with his grandfather, and he always knew his grandfather's past of being involved with a concentration camp, but he never would have assumed that that wasn't his grandfather they state in the creepypasta that the grandfather and the rotten fear is that they have striking similarities and they look alike and they shared a lot of information they were friends and they knew each other's lives and it's crazy to think that this grandfather had died and this ss guy just took over and that was his escape route, and he, I mean, he, he made it. He lived a happy life. He lived the life the grandfather wanted to live. Um, it's, it's a really depressing story, but, oh, it's, I, I didn't see it coming. Um, honestly, this deserves all 9.4 out of 10 stars that it gets. Honestly, I would rate it higher. I'd probably put this at, like, a 9.8. Um, I, I don't give a lot of perfect creepypasta scores out. Because I would like this to be just a tad bit longer. I would like to know a little bit more. But that draw-in was so great. And I, going through this, I thought it was just going to be some horror story from a concentration camp. And it is, don't get me wrong. But the fact that the scariest part is when they left the concentration camp. Because the grandfather never got out. And I, I just love that ending that this guy was living this double life and raised this family that wasn't his. And 
was accepted and it's this big huge secret and I really enjoyed this creepypasta. Um, I wish I had a lot more to talk about. I was hoping that I'd be able to find more information of like real life similar stories where this happened. Um, and, and who's to say it hasn't happened? I'm sure it's happened down the road eventually. It probably just hasn't been reported. Um, I've yet to find anything in my brief research that comes super close to it, unfortunately. Um, but in other news, uh, the LAG Radio Network, we do have a Patreon, and I encourage everyone to go check that out if you enjoy anything that any of our hosts are doing. It's greatly appreciated. Um, basically, all the money just goes to support our SoundCloud, um, any kind of Facebook advertising, stuff like that. We are still in the midst of doing our Pet Scott project, so stay updated with that. We should have the fourth installment. I'm doing a recording tomorrow on October 11th, and hopefully within the next two weeks, we can have something out for you for the fourth installment that'll cover 9 and 10. Chili Cheese J is also in the works of maybe, possibly, putting our first Pet Scott podcast on cassette tape. Uh, we have a friend and one of my former instructors who is really big into making music on cassettes, and I highly recommend checking him out. He goes under the name Wing Clipper. Uh, you can find him on Instagram. You can also find him on Bandcamp. Uh, Bandcamp's probably the better solution for his music but i know he does have links in his instagram as well that you can go to um so just want to give a little plug in there but chili cheese jay talked about maybe putting our first episode on cassette and we found these cassettes that look just like pet scop i mean they got the color theme the white and pink uh we do them all handwritten i think the way it factors out they'd cost like three dollars and some odd sense um for a copy and side a would be the narrative and side b would be the discussion um this project's been nothing but fun doing the pet scott stuff it's it's enthralling it's encapturing every episode is filled with mystery and we are so far from figuring it out it's a modern day creepypasta and i'm not gonna get into that too deeply um, I just mainly wanted to give you guys a show because I haven't uploaded a creepypasta in a while and I want to apologize for being so inconsistent over the past couple months. Um, I've kind of been dealing with some really personal stuff. Certainly have had a tight schedule, but I have a lot more time on my hands now and I want to crank out more regularly. I hope I sound a lot better than I have been in the past because I now officially have my own little home studio. So now we can do um, all the recordings at my place, Chili Cheese J's, Ch Chili Cheese J's place. God, that is a fucking mouthful. Um, and we also have our the actual radio station that we can do some recording in as well. So we have tons of avenues and outlets that we can do recordings in. And we just want to keep bringing you guys as much content as possible. Uh, with that said, I, I hope you enjoyed this creepypasta. I loved it. This was probably the third or fourth time I've read it, and I just came across it today, and I, I love it. Um, every time I went through it, it, it was just so surreal. I couldn't imagine being in this guy's shoes and having my grandfather say, yeah, I'm not your grandfather. I basically just hijacked this guy's life, and like I used to talk to him. We used to be best friends. It, 
it blows my mind. I know it's happened somewhere, and I wish I could find real-life documentation of it. But, like I've said a hundred times, unfortunately, I didn't. So, with that ado, um, next time on the Creepy Pete's Pasta Party here, uh, I am going to team up with Chili Cheese J, and we're going to be talking about Lavender Town. So, for all you Pokemon fans... I believe off the top of my head it was Pokemon Red and Blue, but only the Japanese version. It's a very classic creepypasta. It's been around for quite some time now. It's basically having to do with this music that was put in this Lavender Town section of the game, but only in the Japanese version. And supposedly a bunch of children had committed suicide because of the tones, and the tones were deeply disturbing. Um, that one, I actually have a, a really, really fun story to go through that actually happened in real life, um, from an article that I was able to find that also happened in Japan that also related to Pokemon, and it had to do with a bunch of people just having seizures all throughout the country, and it's crazy, and I can't wait to talk about it, so keep your eyes out for that, that'll be up shortly. Uh, by the time you guys are listening to this, it's probably October 11th, so I would imagine um, it's definitely going to be out before the, the 20th. And we also want to do a, a Halloween special as well for the network, so keep your eyes out on that. Spooktober is a busy month, and we want to get you guys a ton of content. So, I hope you guys enjoyed. That was Creepy Pete's Pasta Party. I am Creepy Pete, and I am signing out.